Hello, and welcome to the Library Coven, a bi-weekly podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly YA fantasy through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism. Why? Because critique is our fangirl love language, and talking about books is pretty magical. I'm Jessie. And I'm Kelly. And in this episode, we're discussing Fireborn by Rosaria Munda, which is book one of the Aurelian cycle. And disclaimer here at the top that we um, read this book a few weeks ago and may or may not re- remember much of what went on. Um, Jesse took some good notes. We're going to do our <laughs> best. We've also had lots of life and school and things, stuff going on. So the memory is perhaps not what it was. Not <laughs> as clear as it had been in the past. <laughs> and also I need to go get my headphones really quick. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm can back. here now. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear things. Perfect. Initial reactions. Okay, so I went into this book with no expectations and I really enjoyed it. It was kind of nice to go to a book, into a book not knowing anything because it felt so fresh and I didn't really know what was going to happen. I didn't have any expectations of the book or like any hype around it. Um, there was a lot of world building that needed to happen since it was the first book in a series. And I think that was done really well. So I'm looking forward to reading the second book or more in the series to kind of find out what happens with everyone. What about you? I agree that zero expectations is def- to start out is definitely the way to go because I don't know, then you're just like open to the possibility of whatever the narrative, hap- whatever unfolds. So I also knew nothing going in except dragons and I enjoyed the book, although it isn't my favorite that we've read. I didn't, I don't know, it didn't particularly stick with me, which may be a combination of circumstances and the, I don't know, lots of the world building. So I wasn't like super into the, like the arcs of the characters or I could kind of mm-hmm. see what's coming because it was like a chosen one story. Yeah. So, which is not my fave, but um, it, it feels like a how to train your dragon meets Game of Thrones mashup world, which was fun and whimsical. And now I'd like a dragon to ride, please. And thank you. I guess we just need more dragon books. (laughs) Um, Recommend if you like. Um, Maybe those Aragon books that were kind of popular when we were younger. I think they were popular dragon books. I never read them, but I remember people being like obsessed with them. (laughs) I never read them either. Interesting. Okay. So maybe those books. uh, This is unusual for us both to never have read the book. (laughs) Right? Especially because it was like a... There was like, it was like a sensation there at the moment. Yeah, I think there was a movie. Oh my gosh, there was. Yeah. Anyways, um, An Ember in the Ashes. I feel like they had like similar vibes with like, you know, guy, girl, chosen one-esque. Like they weren't exactly enemies to lovers or whatever, but like they weren't supposed to be together. So I don't know. It reminded me of An Ember in the Ashes for some reason. Okay, interesting. There's also like revolutions or post-revolutions going yeah. on. So mm-hmm. those are good read-alikes. I would also, mine are watch-alikes. I would say How to Train Your Dragon movies. Those, are they DreamWorks, I think? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also there's an animated series on Netflix called The Dragon Prince, which is dragony and has mm-hmm. elves and magic and court intrigue and the like. So that's kind of what this, the vibes this um, book was given off to me. Cool. Um, why did we choose this book? Someone on social media actually requested this book like a long, like a while ago. I want to say a long time ago, but like, who even knows what time is? I don't know who it was. (laughs) So 
Obviously, this means we take your requests into account. So if you're listening to this episode now and you recommended this book, thank you. You can also like send us a message and we can tag you in the social media posts and stuff. But yeah, someone someone recommended it. Not Deanna this time. <laughs> <laughs> time to talk about world building in Through the Wardrobe. Okay. For all the future overlords out there, you should always make sure someone is dead instead of assuming they are, especially children. Like, it's always going to come back to, like, bite you in the ass. I guess that guy, I don't, okay, I'm going to be really bad with names this episode, but, like, (laughs) the guy who's in charge right now, he, I think he thought Lee was dead, and then he wasn't. Right. Like, I think he told someone to kill Lee, and then, like, that person didn't do it, and I'm like, bro, you should have checked. No body, no crime. (laughs) Yeah, Game of Thrones rules. Like, if you don't yeah. see them die on screen, then they probably are still going to come back to life as a zombie. Okay, spoiler alert for Game of Thrones, but I feel like it's, like, so long it's ago so now. Long ago. But, like, when Joffrey died in that one season, and that was, like, the end of the season, I was like, I will not believe it until next season stars and he's actually dead. Like, you just, you just, you just got to make sure. It's a classic fantasy trope. You just never know. I know. I think in video games they say, like, you got to shoot someone twice to make sure that they're actually dead (laughs) like call it double tap i think so like in books do that as well in real life don't shoot people so (laughs) no please we are not advocating no no but you're right there this is a classic classic trope we also see that the dragon riders swear of money marriage and children so they're basically like they don't have to swear of sex there's lots of sex going on off page um, between lee and that one girl not Annie, but Clarissa? I feel like it's Clarissa explains it all, but that's not it. (laughs) (laughs) But they're kind of like like priests almost, you know? Like I don't know. I was that this part weirded me out. And I wonder now what the birth control situation is. Like, do you have some Mm -hmm. magic potions or something? Because yeah, if I don't know, the burden should be held equally on all parties. Yes. We also see that class is tested into instead of based on family post-revolution and then wristbands are used to mark your class. This part was like kind of weird because like I'm like, oh, you test into it. That kind of makes sense. But then like they're like wearing these bands, which feels very like uh, like Star of David-esque. And like, I, I mean, it's not say, the same, but like, no, I don't know. It was just like weird. But you it's, know, it's strange when you're like want visible markings of someone's mm-hmm. essentially value to society yeah. or lack thereof yeah it's we should be skeptical of any of those sorts of um systems of organizing our lives you know yeah well and it seems like they like people in the upper echelons especially decide how they'll treat other people based on what color their bracelet is or whatever and i'm like mm, no <laughs> no but we just, just treat people like people <laughs> the, like the whole rationing discussion they went yes. on for like a long time because they're you know going to war or whatever right yeah or i think there were for... there were ports like destroyed and stuff so they were like we have to figure out what we're going to do about food exactly and then they're talking about giving the gold class 100 percent of the rations while the bronze class which are the people who are actually marxism 101 doing the labor and producing the stuff you know are they're like cogs in the wheel and they don't care if they're destroyed underneath it which also like just doesn't make sense for a society because I'm like, you rely on them to do the work you don't want to do. So don't you want them to be around? Exactly. <laughs> like They should all unionize. Yes. <laughs> Strike. 
We also see a censorship committee that decides if books should be banned, um, if they should be translated for the general public, and which should be limited to just the gold class, which as a librarian, I was like, oh my God, no, like we do not believe in censorship. (laughs) This was, this was like very, a different kind of censorship because like some of them, they're making sure like certain people get to read it, but other people don't. And I was just like, "Mm mm-mm. It is this very like obvious take on the people who win or the people who get to write history because they're talking about like yeah. basically revising the mm-hmm. books or taking things out of all libraries so even the scholars don't can't yeah. access them or so or anything. And it is like it's setting up this whole revolutionary post-revolution society as also not as not utopian either. You yeah. know, it's just like a different oppressions. Yeah. Same shit, different day sort of thing is how they're setting mm-hmm. it up, it seems like, in the novel. Yeah. I mean, which people are trash and maybe a utopian society is just not possible realistically. <laughs> maybe it's just a pipe dream. I think so sometimes. But um, it was also like... But also like this whole thing didn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> no, it didn't. Not at all. That's the problem is like when you have a power vacuum, then you have to have something to fill it. And if you're not very intentional about things and how you want to change things, then... You can keep doing harm. Yeah. And I think it's like really um, prescient to like our times right now as like there's like these fights going on about like what books are allowed to be in schools for kids and critical race theory, even though I'm like, this book is not critical race theory. You do not even know the definition of critical race theory. Stop using those terms. Exactly. But like books like All Boys Aren't Blue is being banned. New Kid by Jerry Craft, which is just like it's a graphic novel, which can be serious books, but it's for like middle schoolers and like it's just a biracial kid going to like a very wealthy school when a few black kids or people of color at the school and I'm just like I don't know how this is critical race theory but you guys do not understand (laughs) no you really don't get it but it reminded me of that as we have these conversations about what is is and isn't allowed to be taught to you know children who we see as like a protected class of people and they probably should be but like they're smart enough to understand what's going on so Ugh, frustrating so frustrating um and then finally we have the department of propaganda they're kind of deciding what to go out into the world and say about what's going on like who who is attacking who um how things are going to work and it was just real fucked up and i'm just like this is how governments probably work <laughs> yeah it's like oppression 101 mm-hmm. you know power manipulation 101 is you got to keep the masses ignorant that helps Mm -hmm. but they need to feel informed and disorganized (laughs) but they have to feel like they're being listened to and in power so does this sound familiar (laughs) yes yeah like when are we getting our student debt canceled biden yeah (laughs) for fuck's sake that's all i want okay i'm not asking for much could have done it day one (sighs) i'm waiting fingers crossed fingers crossed let's discuss all things magic Mostly just dragons, I think. Yeah, just dragons. There weren't like particularly wizardy people. No, but I'm hoping maybe there will be more of that because I feel like if there's dragons, there should also be like other magic, you know? Or like other magical creatures at least. Yeah. I guess there's not a shit ton of magic in Game of Thrones. There's that like one lady who's actually, she's like really hot, but then she's like also really old. (laughs) (laughs) And dragons. And dragons, yeah. So... 
Yeah. Okay. Well, not a lot of magic. Well, I guess just the existence of a supernatural creature makes it fantasy. I think so. All right. Cool. I would say so. But also, I think science fiction is hard, too, because I'm like, well, Star Wars is kind of science fiction and fantasy. There's magic and space travel. Right. So, I don't know. Categories. Who needs them? Who needs them? Librarians. (laughs) (laughs) Us. Us. things. Now we're going to talk about conflict villains and good and evil in our segment. Get me Kylo Ren. Okay, I feel like I'm talking too much. So, <laughs> oh no, I I did I disagree. I think you're talking great. There are a few villains here. I think it's the former upper class citizens who want to bring back the old regime of things. Um, they're really interested in like only the gold class being in charge, all that kind of thing. But it's also those who are in charge right now who are slipping backwards into old ways um, and who have created a mask of what they're really doing when they're really using many of the tactics of the past. So I'm like, new regime needs new tactics. Old tactics equal old regime. I don't know why it's that hard to understand. but Exactly. <laughs> in order to get different results, maybe try doing things a different way. Exactly. I've, exactly. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, and I guess whatever that guy's name is who's in charge, I don't know what his name is. <laughs> he had some sort of title. I don't know. It hurt. It's hard. It hurts. <laughs> I was going to say it hurts. It's hard because like, I can't scroll back through the book to find it. Yeah. Because we, I listened to the audiobook. Same. If you could just have a cast of characters like in a Shakespeare play, thank you. Oh, yeah. We need that. We need that. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> it's funny because I had the physical book so I could take pictures, but it's already back to the library. <laughs> it's already gone back home. Yeah, back home. <laughs> This is the um, making me think about how if we're going to change things, then you really do have to think about how you're going to do mm-hmm. it. Like, and who are the touchstones of how we're thinking about that now? You know, at least for me, I'm thinking about, you know, abolitionist thinkers mm-hmm. and definitely black feminists, people not from the so-called global north. Yeah. We're going to need radically different ways of doing things and organizing ourselves and relating to one another in order to confront the climate emergency. So I didn't mean to take it there, but I did. No, but still. Have you seen the TV show The Great? I started watching a few episodes and then stopped, which is if anyone's been listening to this show for any period of time knows (laughs) that's what I do. Well, I just finished season two and I think that show shows a really good job of like how people slip back into using old tactics because in season two, this is a spoiler, but also it's history. So come on um <laughs> so pay attention yeah Catherine's in charge in season two because she's like cooed peter and yeah she's like really trying hard not to like do the things that they've done in the past to like slip into those tactics um but it's really hard not to because it's just easier to use brute force than to actually talk with people and try and have discussions and like convince them and work together and everyone around her is trying to convince her like no we need to go to war like that it's the only possible way good depiction of that also it's just a really fun show (laughs) (laughs) the costumes look gorgeous oh my god so good so good just wait till our year in review episode i've got so many tv suggestions we're talking we're talking all the media (laughs) all the time all the media all the time Onward, magical friends. Just as one does not simply walk into Mordor, one does not simply read fantasy without talking about representations of race, class, gender, and ability. This is our segment about power and bodies and how they relate. 
I know we talked about this a little bit earlier, but this whole like tax tithe situation was really messed up. Um, it seems spring like- court, spring court. <laughs> oh my god, totally <laughs> fucking Tamlin, <laughs> fucking Tamlin. <laughs> it seems like this feudal system with a fresh coat of paint, you know. And mm-hmm. the book is asking a lot of questions about equity and shows that revolutions don't necessarily guarantee fairness or retribution or reparations or anything close to that and then like it was messed up that annie had to go basically like inflict the same injuries that happened to her family and then like there was a lot of you know ptsd and stuff i think in this novel yeah and it's hard because like obviously i'm liberal um so i'm like yeah we do need taxes that's really important but why does it feel like the people with the least amount to give are giving the most you know, like, why is this basically functioning like the United States? <laughs> it's not a good, not a good look, you know? There's, like, actual research. The people who have fewer resources are more generous. Like, the richer you get, it, like, disconnects your brain from, like, giving. Yeah. So, like, no hoarding. My husband also told me about, like, this research. Like, if you've studied marketing or business in any way, shape, or form, you're also less likely to be more giving. <laughs> oh, my God, Really? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wow if, if i find out what that study is i'll send it along but um <laughs> who knows why i think also core which is one of the friends of annie and lee his sister is probably dyslexic she mixes up letters when she's writing and probably also means she mixes them up when she's reading and her disability is what places her in her lower class so there are no accommodations in place for people with disabilities or disabled people so that was real fucked up. If we know she has this, I don't want to call it a problem, but I guess in her society from like a societal model, it's a problem. If we know she has this issue, like why aren't we accommodating her? Maybe she needs someone to read the test to her. Maybe she needs extra time. There are a lot of things you can do to accommodate someone with this disability. So when I read that, I was furious. (laughs) Yeah, it just seems like such blatant disregard for a person's worth based on some arbitrary not arbitrary ableist Mm -hmm. measures you know yeah and I think her family were like bakers but she had to go work in a factory and she really had wanted to continue working in the bakery so it seems like you know baking requires like lots of reading or memorization of recipes so obviously her family has been accommodating her in such a way that she could work there and then this test was like no you can't when obviously She'd already figured out a way to do those things. So I was just like, your society sucks, bro. Yeah. And it just kind of points to like the use of standardized tests to determine like anything, you know, is is always going to be a problem. And that doesn't take into account like the entire person. Mm -hmm. Agreed. We also see that Annie is by her society is seen as an unacceptable dragon rider because she's a former serf and a girl. (laughs) And I'm just like, what? We got a pretty bass backwards societal going on <laughs> we do they think they're progressing but i'm like i think you're have made no movement at all yeah because i think you in order to make movement you have to actually take stock of what's messed up mm-hmm. currently and it seems like just by continuing the same stuff with just different people on in power you know you're not really doing that agreed yeah so it was pretty frustrating <laughs> Final
finally, it's time for Shipwrecked, a segment about asexuality, sexuality, sex, romance, and relationships. And sometimes we take liberties and do some shipping of our own. I really loved Annie and Lee's friendship. I kind of shipped them, but at the same time, it seems like they might be better as friends. So plus it seems like because of their history, there's a lot of shared trauma between them. And we see Lee doesn't have to worry about those things with Krissa. That's her name. Not Clarissa. <laughs> nah, close enough. Um, and maybe Annie wouldn't have to worry about those things with someone else. But I feel like sometimes trauma like brings people together and like they can help each other deal with it. But maybe then they have like the same like triggers and maybe that's not good. I don't know. But either way, I really like them as friends. But I feel bad because Annie and Lee obviously like each other and don't like seeing each other with someone else. Maybe they should just like have an open relationship or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe monogamy just isn't the answer. Yeah. Or yeah. or relationship anarchy should be the answer or something. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you that I like their friendship a lot and I friendship them. Yeah. For and they're sure. not allowed to like they've sworn off marriage, which doesn't mean you can't have a relationship or even like a deep and serious relationship. Like marriage is just a piece of paper like you don't necessarily need that obviously mm-hmm. people do want that i'm one of those people so like i have the paper i wanted that health care yeah <laughs> but like i don't know them being dragon riders doesn't preclude them from having relationships so Mm-mm. i don't know i like that we see the characters talking openly about sex and sexuality mm-hmm. and how it's you know just like another part of life which it is I kind of feel bad for Carissa, you know, well, she, yeah. unless she knows what she's getting into. If she's like going to get into like an unrequited love situation. But I see what you mean about the, you know, maybe trauma bonding and then maybe that not being the healthiest relationship. It could potentially be codependent, but not necessarily. Mm-hmm. And it really does depend on the circumstances and the people's yeah. specific experiences. Especially because like Lee and Carissa haven't had like that talk about how like obviously Lee has feelings for Annie and it seems like Krista is aware of that at certain points during the book, but they haven't talked about it. And I feel like if you haven't talked about it, then like you can't assume that the other person knows, you know, like you got to have clear communication. I kind of see where you're like, where your um, Ember in the Ashes comparison comes from. Cause it gives <laughs> me like an Elias Helene vibe, yeah. you know, like yeah. they're maybe meant to be in close proximity or orbit to each other, but maybe not OTP, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were OTP, but. <laughs> Elias and Helene? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. You said Helene and I was thinking... You were thinking Laia. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 100% agree. Yes. <laughs> now we're going to talk about writing style, narration, characterization, plot structure, and basically whatever else comes to mind in Kill Your Darlings. Beautiful cover. The sequel, Flamefall, is also very pretty and it's out now. And it looks like the third and final book is called Fury Song, and it's slated to come out in August 2022. I took pictures of this book with like beautiful fall red leaves, and it was just like, it was magical. Y'all are going to be seeing fall pictures well through the winter. (laughs) It's fall, y'all, all all year. (laughs) All year, because those are the pictures I took. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yeah, it was a really nice cover. I liked it a lot. I'm excited to read the rest of them. I thought the story was fun. Okay, I wrote down a quote, which is like a real Kelly thing to do. It really um, is. <laughs> I don't have a page number because I was listening to the audiobook. I should have put the timestamp in. 
Lee says this to who I do not remember, but he says, we have reached the bounds of reason of reason and come to the threshold of belief and I like really appreciated this quote because I think sometimes like when you're talking to someone about something like it really comes down to like you all do not hold a shared belief in the way that the world works and sometimes that just means like you're at an impasse like there's no way to continue arguing with someone about something and I find that this to be the case sometimes when you're talking about things like reproductive rights the existence of God <laughs> that can cause real problems when you're talking to st- people about things. And sometimes I just like, you know what? We do not have a fundamental belief about how the world works that is shared. And so I'm not doing this with you anymore. Reason is out the window because our beliefs are just too different. So like, I really like vibed with this quote. So that's all. <laughs> I'm just going to bask in that. <laughs> can you philosophize me some more? some more do you need more yeah yeah it does it feels like a very philosophical thing you know to be like we can't have this discussion anymore because the premises like don't match up yeah and sometimes I think you know because my husband's in philosophy like sometimes I hear them arguing about stuff like you know in a colloquium or I hear about a class or whatever and I'm like you all just don't have a shared belief about how the world works so you're never going to come to terms like just talk about something else you know like who even cares at this point like you just don't believe the same things you know and that means the discussion is only going to go so far exactly and so sometimes I think I get fed up with people too I'm I don't know maybe this sounds similar to a quote I've heard somewhere else so maybe it's been like kind of repackaged I don't know I really liked it (laughs) before we end it's time for real talk did reading this book make your make your perspective change in any way or did it make you interrogate a concept system or trend that you hadn't before jesse is coming in (laughs) hot with the quotes and the deep cuts so get ready i took so many notes (laughs) thank you 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 carried us i got you the wind beneath my wings (laughs) is the system a new meritocracy Perhaps the system that Munda sets up is meant to be a critique of the idea that the U.S. and countries like it are meritocracies. We see a few select individuals who can rise up from poverty and other systemic issues, and they're held up as an, ex- as an example that that's possible to do so, while at the same time, the system tries to hide that most of those at the top come from wealth because wealth provides more access to what one needs. And I just really love this aspect of the book because they're like look at Annie she was poor and like now she's like a dragon rider and I'm like and (laughs) but like what about everyone else (laughs) exactly it's like there's a few token people who are held Mm -hmm. up as like examples of this bootstrapping narrative that you just Mm -hmm. described right you know like I can pull myself up by my bootstraps look at Barack we had a black president so like racism is done you guys (laughs) it's over we live in a post-racial society now feminism Uh, yeah so I don't know I really appreciated this critique that Munda provided us she did it so well or they did it so well I'm not sure of their pronouns so they did a really good job with them agreed agreed Are we ready for card questions? Kelly put nothing in real talk, y'all. I'm sorry. I did it. (laughs) She's coming in with the card questions, though. If we don't remember the book, how will we answer the card questions? (laughs) 
I think we refreshed my memory. Okay. I th- the okay. notes were really helpful. They really were. <laughs> you did a great job. I, thank you. Thank you. Does the main character know how to handle emotions? No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's a YA book, so the answer is no. He's like trying to hide his feelings. Well, it's hard. There's two characters. So I feel like Lee is like trying to hide his feelings for Annie. Annie's trying to hide her feelings from Lee and from that other guy, like Duck or something. He had a weird... I was like, Duck? What a name. <laughs> Come on. Hawk. Eagle. Duck and Core? <laughs> you should at least go for Hawk or Eagle or something. Yeah. Plus, I feel like Lee kind of has to try- hide a lot of himself because he was like the heir to the throne or whatever. Right. I for- can't for believe we forgot reason. to mention that. <laughs> It didn't seem like that big of a deal, you know? Like, he killed his cousin. He brought back her head. Like, come on. He's on the side of the new regime. He's showed his loyalty. And then also, like, Annie is, you know, really suffering. Yeah. Because she's not able to sleep and, you know, because of her job. So it's like, uh, work will not set you free. Mm, But it'll distract you for a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Ask me how I know. (laughs) Is the main character similar or radically different from the lesser characters? Well, there's a chosen one thing going on, so he's radically different because of his blood or whatever. And I feel like there's a lot of similarities between a lot of the characters. So, like with if you're thinking of Annie, she's very she's come from like a similar background to Core and maybe Duck. Um, she's got some shared trauma with some of them. So, and then final card question: Which character would you least like to be? Oh, what was that one guy's name? He was such an asshole. Oh. You know the one? He's like... Like the the Malfoy of the story, yeah. basically. But he was also like... We find out that he's like adopted. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And he was like poor, but like... That's why he was adopted. And he like took on the... Yeah. I would hate to be that guy. Ugh. Yeah. Good Good answer. Good answer. Thanks. I'm stealing it Thanks. from you. I'm copying you. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at your paper. <laughs> Fine. I don't care thanks for listening to the library coven we'll be back in two weeks for a discussion of Circe by madeline miller and this was recommended by the lovely the one the only diana indeed always we would love to be in conversation with you magical folks let us know what you think of the episode stuff we missed which is probably a lot here (laughs) Uh, (laughs) or just say hi to us by dropping a line in the comments or by reaching out to us on twitter or instagram at the library coven you can subscribe to the library coven on the podcast app of your choice and we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review the show and spread the word to other rad people out there if you're able to support our labor financially, you can make a one-time donation to us on Coffee. You can support our, us monthly on Patreon or by shopping at our bookshop.org affiliate page. Until next time, stay magical. <laughs>